Hello and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sachs. And I'm Lori Sachs. And today we're joined again by Sadr Issa from Syria. We spoke with Sadr about a year ago after reading his story, being raised by a father with Down syndrome. And it was such a delight to get to know him and the wonderful human being that he had become and the influence that his father had on him for so many reasons. One, because of the misperceptions that it shattered about individuals with Down syndrome not being able to have children, and also because it begs the question of what would the effect of having a parent with Down syndrome have on a child, and seeing and talking to and meeting Sadr shows you exactly what being raised by all that love does to a human. We've been able to stay in touch with him through the year. And he's just in the process of finishing his dentistry school. And we want to get a little update and check in with him. So welcome, Sadr Isa. Welcome back to the podcast, Sadr. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us again. Of course, it's my absolute pleasure to have this talk with you guys. So the last time we spoke, we spoke because your story is one of the things that people tell parents right off the bat. And actually, we just had a conversation a few weeks back where, you know, when your child is first born and diagnosed with Down syndrome, one of the things that they'll offer up is that they'll never have children. Yeah. And what's so great about your story is you're living proof that that really isn't the case. Not only are you proof that that is a misperception, but also you're such a delightful human being that I think it shows what growing up with someone who has that uncon- that real unconditional love, the, the result of that, that's why we love talking to you. It gives parents some insight into what is possible because sometimes we don't know what's possible until we see it. And then also the one thing people question is how will this affect the other siblings? But having a, a parent with Down syndrome it also answers the question of how would that affect a child to be raised by someone with Down syndrome? And it's pretty evident that it's... Um, well, you're a wonderful human being. And, yeah. and, and on top of that, going to dentistry school, I mean, looking to become a doctor. So um, of all those stereotypes of what a parent with Down syndrome would produce in society. And sadly, we, these are things that in a lot of people's minds we need to prove, I guess. I don't think, I think that was but our conversation. I was going to say yeah. you're living proof, but we don't need to do that. It's just that you're a living result. I result, yeah, I like of that. Of what this is and to be seen by the world. Actually, I just finished my uh, dentistry school and now uh, I'm, a, I'm an official dentist. I, I haven't started yet with my career here because there is some difficulties, but hopefully soon I, I can start with uh, working with another doctor maybe here or maybe opening a private clinic or maybe you know finding another place to start a career it would also be a, a certain chance for me a better chance actually than than working here well let's talk about that too yeah you're you're in syria yeah and and we only have four hours of electricity and one hour of them is while we are sleeping so technically we had three hours of electricity uh, each five hours, we have one hour uh, when the electricity is on and it just went off. So there's a lot of difficulties, even for me now as a dentist, even if I was capable of opening a private clinic, uh, not a lot of patients are capable of paying for dental treatment, which is not expensive at all in Syria. Let's say an endodontic therapy for one tooth costs about $10. That's it. While in the US, United States, it costs about $1,000 or so. So, but that's not, you know, uh, the average Syrian wage is about $50 at maximum, $100 a month. So 
it is hard for them even to pay $10 for an endodontic treatment. So if I invested in a clinic, so I, I might not get a lot of patients to pay back for, for the money I put on the, on the clinic, you know, tools and all this stuff. So it needs a, a little bit of courage to, to, to move forward with this step. And, uh, you know, it's just one small challenge of the other challenges of being living here in Syria. So I don't know, maybe uh, I will now start working with a, another doctor to gain uh, more experience. And if I saw that the general circumstances are getting better or at least, you know, staying, you know, the way they are, because every year here is, is getting worse and worse than the previous. So if at least it stayed the, the same, maybe I will, I will think of opening my private clinic. You have a lovely smile and such a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful disposition. What drives you, Sadr? What, what inside gives you this um, strength of perseverance to push forward, to I, mean, to I mean, to become a dentist, to work so hard in in circumstances that people can't don't even understand those challenges. I, I have a lot of people who who love me around me, and very supportive family. So I don't want to to let them down. You know, especially if they they have all this trust in me. And you cannot find a successful person who is you know unhappy with his success. So. Of course, each step is, you know, getting me closer to to living a, a, a better life, to give better life conditions for me and for my family and for all my loved ones. So we have to work hard for, for the better life we hope for. And it's not going unless we work for it. And you saw that work ethic in your father. I remember that was a story you told us. Could you kind of revisit uh, his work ethic? Yeah. Uh, he 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 is never bored of, of you know working for many many hours you know unfortunately now as i said earlier his many hours of work don't get very high wage about uh, at maximum a hundred dollars a month and that was uh, much different before the syrian crisis he used to, to, you know, save thousands of dollars each year of his work at this factory near to our house. But, you know, after the economical collapse and blockade on Syria and all this stuff, money don't have a lot of, you know, value anymore. So he actually, he saved the money for my uh, college studies when I was just a small kid. I think it was about seven to eight thousand dollars which is a good uh, amount of money here in syria and it is you know it would be an enough amount of money for me to to finish my dentistry school here because the college studies in syria is free we, we don't pay uh, unless we are studying in a private uh, college and it, it it was not very common back then uh, now it's becoming more common, but, you know, uh, public universities are more, you know, more respectful here because private colleges are still new. So that amount of money would, would be more than enough for me to finish my dentistry studies. And unfortunately, all of this was, you know, devalued by the economical collapse. And uh, even though all of that happened, he, he didn't give up, you know. He didn't say that I lost everything. That's it. I won't uh, do anything anymore. And he's still at work, actually. He, he's not home yet. And now in the winter, it's not very hard physical work. Uh, it's more than his, he just sits in the factory. They have uh, different products like beans, wheat, and all this stuff, you know, some, we have product called burgle, or I don't know how to say it, how it's pronounced in English, but it's ground wheat. So that's the, the major product there. So the main product. So he just sits there, you know, helps with putting the bags in the people who, 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 buy, who buy these, uh, these stuff from, uh, from them. And, you know, the major work is in summer where it is a very hard physical work. I don't know if I told you earlier, but he was also 
a you know a muscular guy when he was uh, when he was younger, and he he still has a good shape, but you know of course with age he is not uh, uh, with the same capability. But you know he he's still a strong man. The factory that he works at is close to your home. Yeah, two minute walk. How is he doing? Well, he he's great. Uh, he has type two diabetes, but it's uh, you know under control. It's not not putting any danger on his life or anything. And your mom? She's uh, she's very good too. She wears a hearing aid, but you know they are, you know, doing doing well for for their age. Uh, and I will you know start working on their uh, on their teeth actually soon, very soon. But both both of them need dentures, so I will have to work on on their dentures. So. How old is your dad, Sadr? Uh, he was born in nineteen seventy five, so he's now about forty six years old. So you just graduated from your dentistry school. Yeah. And how was that? You know, before all these COVID things, you know, we we used to have uh, graduation parties where all the parents meet from all from different colleges not just from dentistry school and we receive you know an honorary degree and we wear all the graduation suit and all these kind of stuff and actually I was planning for this day for two three years now for I was I was planning actually to make a short film about it you know another film like the previous one we did but unfortunately, I don't think that this year we will have a graduation uh, party due to COVID problems. Uh, you know, it felt good to not have, you know, this commitment to, to going to college because it is a bit hard to, to travel from my place to the place where, where I had my uh, college. It's not, it's not very far, you know, compared to, to American, uh, American distances between uh, one place and another. It's not very far. It's... It's about 40 miles away, but uh, we go with uh, by public transports and we don't always have public transports because, you know, there's very limited uh, number of cars who travel between these two cities. So it was, you know, uh, it is always in your mind, even when when we we are working in the college on, on patients, all this stuff, we are thinking of, you know, I have I have to finish as soon as possible to be capable to to go back home uh, soon so i'm relieved from that now and it is a good feeling to be you know college free but of course i have to study a lot more to gain experience to practice dentistry uh, in the best way possible because of course the the school is free so the the education is not very high ranking so we have to work on, on our skills, on our own, not, not to rely on the college or the, the professors there because they're not even getting a lot of money. So they are not working as hard as possible. So I have to complete my studies, uh, you know, attend courses, maybe online courses and attend all kinds of things that make me more capable of practicing dentistry in, in a better way. So it's just one step of many, many steps ahead of me to, to become, you know, the dental practitioner that I, I, I want to be. And uh, with all the unrest in your country, and for me, something that I had asked in the last interview was about your safety. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask again, your area is still fairly safe? It's safe. And uh, in general, Syria doesn't have, uh, many war conflict zones anymore. Not in like in 2015, 2016. It was, you know, ISIS was taking control of the majority of Syria and Iraq. But now that's not the case anymore. The problems are now political problems with the different countries that entered Syria during this war. So a lot of problems and the only People who are having bad times with these problems are the, the Syrian people. So uh, we face economical collapse, blockade on Syria. You know, Syria now is blocking a lot. Syria has a blockade on, on you know, exporting or importing uh, 
a lot of stuff, but now Syria is now putting blockade on, on different things to not enter Syria for, for uh, a lot of reasons. So daily life essentials are, you know, getting very hard to go, very hard to get all the things that just the essentials like electricity, like gas, diesel, all these stuff that we use uh, in our daily lives are very, Syria is very short of all these stuff. So there is no war danger on the lives, but there is a lot of things that we are deprived from due to, to the problems here. <coughs> I'm a little bit sick. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. Sorry for that. Not a problem. And you smile. <laughs> you would never know you were sick. Yeah. <laughs> is there a place, an organization that takes donations if people wanted to send things to Syria? I mean, how does that... There's a lot of organizations that are working here in Syria. And, you know, I don't think that they need to, they need money. They have enough money. And, you know, unfortunately, people here, some of them take advantage of this stuff, especially the workers from here, you know, that, not the foreign workers. And, and I, I can't say, you know, it's general thing, but, you know, a lot of them, you know, have took advantage of this stuff, you know, and made fortunes from donations. So the United Nations is, is doing a very good job. And I have, you know, friends of mine who I am working, you know, I'm working a small job with them. They are called Preemptive Law. They are an American organization, actually, that is working in Iraq, Syria, Venezuela, and in Mexico, I think. They do tremendous job and they, they took donations and they are very legit. Their work in Syria is very limited, actually, not they don't have that very big impact. Uh, but, you know, in general, the United Nations is, is doing a, good, a very good job. You know, I have a lot of my friends who work with them. They are very strict. They do their job in, in the right way. And unlike a lot of the organizations that uh, they faded, they don't they don't exist anymore due to, you know, some people who took control of them and took all their money and went outside of Syria. So if you want to donate, there is preemptive love. I can send you their links and all this stuff. And they are, yeah, they are doing a great job. And before the, the Syrian war, there was not a lot of organizations that take care of people with the difficulties like blind people or people with Down syndrome, all this stuff. We had LARC, a French organization that takes care of people with Down syndrome and people with other, you know... Disabilities. Disabilities, or, yeah. And it is uh, based in Damascus. It is not a very big uh, organization, but it, it has a very good, you know, system of work. So these people who have these disabilities, they live in the same house with the volunteers or the workers in, in this organization. They live their daily lives together. They, uh, the workers teach them daily life skills and all this stuff. I can send you some of their work. You know, my, my cousin used to work with them and it is a very legit, yeah, it, it is an international organization. And this organization has, has been working for, I think, 20 or 30 years in Syria. So it is one of very few organizations that were here before the, the war. And, you know, a lot of them are doing a great job. And uh, they, they get their donations, very, very good amount of donations from churches and all this stuff. Can you walk us through your day? like what a typical day for you is and, and for your family? and Yeah, a typical day now as a graduate is not very exciting. It's a bit boring, actually. <laughs> but, you know, I used to, you know, I, I always wake up early, I, about 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. Now, as a graduate and when I was a student, you know, my, my, my father goes to work at, you know, 7.30 to, to 8 a.m. And we, we have uh, me and my mom at home. So we have breakfast. So we have breakfast. Then she, she goes to maybe for a visit for our neighbors or to, you know, 
she has some work at home, some things to do to take care of, and I have then nothing to do. <laughs> if you know, if they need anything from, we live in a small town. It's called Albaida, and it is you know it's very near. It's uh, two miles or one and a half miles between major city. So we don't have everything in our town because we are near to, to a major city where, where everything is available. So we might need some stuff that we cannot find in the village. So I go to, to the city and I, I bring them all the, the things that they need. And then I uh, don't have anything to do <laughs> until it's evening when I go to, to the gym. After, <laughs> after the gym, we go. <laughs> I'm laughing for your laugh. We're so glad we're we're here talking to you because we're we're giving you something to do. Yeah. <laughs> and we go for uh, you know uh, with with friends uh, for two three hours, and we uh, I go back home, go to sleep because I don't have anything to do. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you're such a delight to talk to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And you have a cold. Yeah, you're not feeling so hot. Yeah, simple, simple flu, yeah. Oh, good. You and Stephen have been communicating uh, back and forth, and you had mentioned to him how your story uh, with your father is resurfing and and going the rounds again. And I know that when it did resurface, the comments that you receive, and, you know, to, to be honest, I love the story because it, I look at it from the viewpoint of a parent who's, you know, been told of something that just is impossible, just does it with such definity. (laughs) This doesn't happen. And then to hear about your, your father having Down syndrome, but what you experience and what Stephen had seen on the feed is that people don't believe it they think it's a hoax they um they want proof they want proof yeah actually some of them i think they don't because they don't trust the social media that much because when our story is resurfing it's not resurfing as a video or a documentary just a picture and especially you know people i mentioned that uh, most of them are you know in the region the people from the Middle East. And in general, social media here is not very reliable. So they 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 post anything, especially if, if it's not a verified uh, platform. We have a lot of pages, websites, all this stuff. So the major part of them are people who just don't trust the, the, the published news. Some of them are people who have very outdated ideas. And some of them are, you know, have a religious perspective, you know, for a certain perspective. And I I don't want to mention anything religious, but some people think that, I don't know how how to say it, but people with disabilities or people with, you know, any, you know, intellectual disability, even if it was, you know, in, in, in not a very high degree, is not allowed to uh, get married. So some of them come from this perspective and some of them, they, they didn't hear about such case before. So, so they are a bit surprised. Maybe if they searched more, they can, uh, you know, change their minds and uh, some of them are a bit rude actually and they might get an, an answer from someone in the comments that no it, it it's possible and all the stuff but they continue to be uh, rude so the ndss national down syndrome society in the united states uh, <clears throat> says that there is three registered cases of fathers with down syndrome in the, in the world and these three cases, I know several other cases, and we are one of these several cases. So not we are not a one of these three registered cases. So being one of these formally registered cases gives you know a lot of 
a lot of you know confidence with, with this story when it is of course when it's shared in proper way not just a picture or so uh, people cannot doubt it anymore they cannot say that it's not possible that it's not you know some of them are, are very rude actually they say that it 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 must have been adopted or uh, it must have been you know an unlegal child you know and uh, from other marriage or so so you know being you know one registered case one other registered case is very good for this story for the you know gives us a lot of confidence when we share it with the people because they even if 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 we had you know someone who who doesn't believe it we we have you know it is proved it is in the medical archives and all this stuff so I reached out to several organizations, but due to our living in Syria, it, uh, it was not possible to go further with this uh, step. So maybe I, we, uh, we can find a, in the future, a certain way to, to register this case as one of, of the cases. And actually, I always hear of, you know, in the comment section and in, in uh, online in general of other parents you know i i see in a lot in, in the in the comment section especially here in the middle east someone saying that yes of course they can have children because i have a neighbor or i have you know uh, someone that i know who also have uh, has down syndrome and he has kids and has his his family too so maybe if we if we can if we can have you know a certain way to search more we can find a lot of other cases of fathers and mothers of down syndrome especially here in the in the area in the western world we we cannot find a lot of marriages between uh, people with down syndrome you and i have talked in the past about bringing legitimacy to your father having a son um i understand proving that and bringing legitimacy to your story but to me, the main part of the story is, is, is not the conception of you. It, it's that you were raised by this man and what he meant and means to you in your life. But can we talk about how you feel about these comments and what it makes you want to do or, or, or where you want to go forward? And secondly, after the follow-up question is, how does it feel to have to prove? Because I think we spend our life proving yeah. what our son can do. But at some point... Why do we have to prove that? Why do we? Why do we have to prove that? that uh, unless everybody who makes a comment that has to prove themselves has to prove themselves. Yeah. Prove one thing about yourself, and then I'll prove this to you. I mean, it just yeah. what? Where is that sense where others can, you know, ask someone to prove something very personal? This is really none of their business. This is yeah. your story is more a celebration and something to be shared in our community to say not only, hey, the things you're being told aren't true, but what a beautiful experience to be raised by uh, a gentleman, a father, or, you know, if it was your mother, whoever, to be raised by a parent or any, any. Yeah, a parent with, that's so close to you. Obviously, you have such about, a great dad, yeah. right? It doesn't matter that he has Down syndrome. Yeah. It's just, you just had this great relationship with your dad. But the fact that he has Down syndrome and this is the result is what is so yeah. beautiful to us as parents because you're phenomenal. Oh, uh, yeah. You're a phenomenal human who has a cold and four hours of electricity <laughs> and is sitting here smiling yeah. so profusely. Yeah. With wonderful teeth, you will not have to do any dentistry <laughs> no, work on your own teeth. <laughs> and so I think those are those are the two things. If we can talk about how it feels sometimes to get those to get those comments, you, how you feel, and then secondary, we'll talk about that feeling of having to prove ourselves. Well, at first, you know, it had a very negative impact, you know. When I first started, you know, sharing our story, it was two years ago, and I had many choices to make, you know. I, in a certain time, I, I wanted to, you know, delete everything. I wanted to, to you know, stop you know sharing all these stuff you know and just go back to my uh, to my normal life you know 
before all this happened, you know, we didn't think about it. Uh, and as I said earlier to you, it just fades in the background. You know, we, we don't think of him as a person with Down syndrome. He's, he's my father. He's just, you know, he's another human being, you know. He's not labeled. He's not labeled as a person with Down syndrome. But now we, we think about it when we share it with uh, other people because people, strange, uh, strangers in general, people who don't know you, they label everything about you, not just the, the physical or mental case. So now we speak, you know, in this, uh, in this certain way, you know, uh, we say a father with Down syndrome. We 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 didn't used to uh, refer to him in, in this in this way, but now of course when we are sharing it with the world, we we have to say that you know I'm the son of a person with Down syndrome, and you know it's one of very few cases in the world. So it had a a, a, a little bit bad impact at first, but now it's not that important. I'm used to to this. Uh, comments and actually if there was a post or or you know something about us online and I entered the comment section and there was nothing you know negative I feel a bit strange about it you know there's something not not, not okay with this so I'm used to this now and um, it's not you know a problem for me anymore but of course when when we want to complete our task or we want to raise awareness about uh, Down syndrome, especially here in the area, you know, in Western uh, culture, a dad is a dad, but here if the, the dad is not the father, is, is not the biological father, it is a big problem here. It's not very accepted here in, in the Middle East. So that's why people are always, you know, concentrating on this specific point. So if you want to change their minds, if you want them to focus on other things, you know, about, or if you want them to focus on the, the other positive aspects of the story, you have to prove this point first for them to, to be, to open their minds to, to receive what other thing that you are saying. When they see a video or, or, or when, they, when they read about our story, their mind is just focused on this point. They don't, they don't continue. I don't know if they continue reading about it. They just go to comment section and they say it's not a, a true story. So having to prove this point is just, you know, my will to continue with this, with this task because I want to raise awareness for Down syndrome. I want them to concentrate on, on other things that I'm saying or want them to open their minds on a lot of things that they they don't know and yeah that's that's it it's not you know something that it has its impact on me anymore well the last time we talked you mentioned uh, i had asked and you mentioned that in your village people didn't really talk about your dad as having down syndrome it was something where that was actually culturally not the appropriate thing to, to say to someone yeah. and it's funny that at the same time they're kind of being nosy about is this really your dad i mean it's just kind of yeah. having to prove that yeah strangers as i said strangers who are not you know especially in in our small village uh, almost all of the people they are related blood related to to each other so they are you know uh, emotional, very loving with each other. They don't have, in general, they don't have arguments or problems with, with each other. So uh, <clears throat> he was very well accepted in his, uh, in his society. But in the larger society, I don't think, I, I think I mentioned this, I'm not sure. In larger society in Syria, it's not the case. When you are, you know, dealing with strangers who, who doesn't know you, they they can be very rude and they can be you know not very welcoming of this this case you know and i i was asked this question actually in different interviews and i said if uh, this case was in another place maybe in a major city or so 
it would be much harder for us because uh, the general society i don't know if it was if it would be you know as accepting as uh, the people of our small village here so uh, in general large societies doesn't have this good relationships or this you know respect or love and all this stuff thing like and is that because of him having down syndrome or is that because they just infer that you're not his child um, not 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 because you know they don't believe I'm, I'm his child but because of down syndrome in general the general society here is uh, in in cities and large major cities um, they have a bit of a negative point of view towards people with down syndrome or people with any kind of disability uh, you you might you know face someone with uh, some kind of difficulty and the kids around around him making fun of him and and you know all these kind of stuff and it is something not very strange to see in 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 the cities people do to they don't know each other it's uh, they don't have any emotions towards each other so it's very common to to receive negative comments or negative you know actions towards such cases i think that's also a reflection of the larger uh, when you get on social media there's no boundaries and it is and it is again those misperceptions that we're trying to break and so i find like one of the loveliest things about your experiences being in this village that's surrounded by love and support where we don't uh, just focus, there was no focus put on, you know, your father's extra chromosome and all that love and then being raised by your, your parents without those labels, what an impact it made. I mean, look at you. And so it's just such a, a place to be where you see the gift of not being raised by the labels and what those labels, like one of the things we've been talking a lot is about seeing each other, really seeing each other or to be seen. Uh, and then now you do have to put that label on in order to break these misperceptions. How did it feel to now have to put that label on? Because it's, it goes back to proving it's like this reluctant, this is what I, I guess this is what I have to do in order to break it for the white, the wider world and, and the future, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of a strange feeling to to have to to prove uh, something that you are, and as I said, it it was something that I didn't think of earlier, but now, and it is a task that I I hold on my own. So, if I didn't receive you know all these good uh, good messages, good good uh, you know good people like you guys who who communicate with me and you know they have uh, a family member with down syndrome i received you know at least hundreds of messages from families all around the world and receiving even though i'm not you know doing a lot of things on social media but i'm continue to continue to receive a lot of messages from people from all around the world who said thank you for sharing your story because you know you gave us hope for our little guy here who who, who also has Down syndrome or for our little girl here. That is one of the major things that you know make me want to continue with this. You know because if if this was not if this love and support was not around, I would I, I think I would you know. Uh, stopped or, 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 you know, just said that, you know, I'm, I'm only getting, you know, negative things or I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing any, I'm not changing anything, you know, so why would I continue with this labeling and with this, you know, it has, you know, something, sometimes it, it, it gives, you know, bad feeling. When we see that people, not not all of the people, you know, accept the story. So if all of this love and support was not was not around, I think I would, you know, stop long time ago. 
but you know with all this around I, I think I will continue with this hopefully for a lifetime to to raise awareness about people with Down syndrome and all their possibilities yeah yeah does any of this upset your father I I don't you know share the 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 bad things with him you know I just my my task it's my you know, the world you know they are not familiar uh, not very you know in the in the social media world so they of course they understand that you know on, online we can reach out to people from all around the world but they don't have you know the idea we have about you know facebook that you know and, and social media in general and all its, uh, its things so i just tell them that you know tell him and my mom about the good things you know that the a lot of people see the story and a lot of people love it and they they saw themselves on tv a lot of times actually it was uh, on on uh, the local tv here it was i have a picture actually it was not it, he was watching himself on tv and he was you know a bit shocked actually and my mom uh, too so he he of course and he gets the the good comments from people around him a lot of i i heard that from him that many times when he's in the factory a person a stranger would come to to buy uh, one of the things they have and he he points at him and he says uh, he or she says that i know this man isn't he the this man on social media so he's a bit famous here now uh, of course he enjoys it and i keep him away from the the negative things like that what is your future thoughts not only professionally we had talked a little bit of that uh, professional thoughts but what are your plans for the future we we live here day by day in syria yeah, because you know not everything is clear but I don't know. I don't have a very clear idea. Actually, I don't think that we will. You know, I will stay all my life in, in the village, this small village. It is very loving and calm place to to clear your mind from all the, the bad stuff in the world. But it is. Uh, it's not that great place for business, or not great place to to be capable of changing your life. I think I will be, if I don't, you know, go to place outside of Syria, I will move to, to a major city, you know, start practicing my, 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 uh, my career there. And of course I will keep my, uh, my parents here in the village because here in Syria, I, I, as I said, it is very dif different from American measurements. So with the, f uh, the longest distance you have to, to cut is about 200 miles. It's to Damascus, and that's it. So if I was you know, in Damascus <laughs> and my parents were here, it took me, it took about two hours to be, to be here at home. So it is uh, relatively, close to them so uh, i will keep them of course here because it is some <laughs> place where they 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 live safely they live you know with with people who love them you know as i said they they are not you know my mom is not home now she's in a in a visit in our neighbor's house and when my my dad comes they either receive a visits or they go to visit, you know, relatives, the, the neighbors and all this stuff. So they live here peacefully. They live here. Uh, they have all the things that they need, you know, and living or moving them to, to another city, uh, I don't think it would be a very good idea for them. But for me, you know, it's not uh, the village here or the, the place, the area in general, even if we have, as I said earlier, we have a, a big city near to us, but, you know, it suffers too from, you know, lack of, of income. People there are not very rich. So if you, uh, they are not rich in, at all, actually. So if 
if I want to have a good career to, you know, change my, uh, my life, to have the, the, the needed things for, for a typical life, you know, even the smallest things are, are very hard to, to achieve here in Syria, you know, so as, you know, something that it is took for granted in other places like private car, private place to live and all this kind of stuff. Private car, although we have, you know, we have cars from 2010, 2011, since before the Syrian war, that's it. We don't have any new cars. We, it is recently new cars were entered, but not, uh, not very a lot of them. Uh, we have old cars and they are very expensive. You know, you, we have cars that might cost in the United States about $1,000, $2,000. It's sold here for $10,000, $15,000, which when you compare to the income here, it's something that you need to, to work a lot to, to, to achieve. So uh, people have to work much harder here to, to get the the, the life essentials. So if I want to achieve this thing, it is not possible for me here in, in this area. So I will have to, to move to another place. You open your world on social media and sometimes you'll get that negative and you're just making such a positive impact on the world, on the perception of Down syndrome, on the stories parents are told. We have one in our pocket when they say, because they'll tell us pretty definitively, we have one in our, we have at least one in our pocket that, that we say, no, that's not true. And we can go forward as parents. That's a gift that you've given parents to know. In an interview we just had with Melissa Kainat, she was like, how would you feel if like when your child was born, they, they just tell you they'll never have kids. It weighs heavy on parents, right? And, and, and you've given that gift, the gift of insight to what the importance of this village that you grew up in. The difference is you grew up in a village of love. Uh, you were raised by parents that loved you, that supported you. You know, one of the things as a parent that you you strive for is to give your child a foundation where they have the courage to follow their dreams. And that's what your your parents did. And it's not necessarily achieved by all parents. And the beautiful impact that just love without labels. I know that's something we revisited in our last interview. It's that love without labels, like having to identify and I do understand that you've taken on some of those labels in order to break those misperceptions and make the world a better place. And um, I thank you for that because I know that that can, as a parent taking on those labels, it can weigh on you. Your disposition, your, your patience, your patience with society, your acceptance and acknowledgement. I can only hope that those are things that, that I can instill and plant seeds of in our children. And the thing is, is I know we've reached our, our limit and I know you have confines on your time and schedule. And even then you just smile at us with, I have a very busy schedule. <laughs> right. I told you. As we discussed. Yeah. You have the, the restrictions of electricity, well, yeah, right? Yeah. The amount of electricity well, yeah, that's afforded yeah. to you. Well, so you have no electricity right now. Yeah. You're, Are you in the dark? You're on your, he's just the light of the sun. No, no, it's and not then the you, light of the sun. I have, what uh, is it? LED light. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, things improved here in Syria. It was, you know, evolving. When it first started, we had, you know, when it first started the electricity shortage, it was about 10 years ago. People used uh, candles because electricity used to go off for half an hour, an hour, and it got worse with time. So people then bought, you know, uh, portable lights like the size or so and they used to put it in each room and now we have you know small led lights i can take a picture of, of it like right now yeah. yeah small led lights and they are uh, connected to small you know motor motorcycle battery people other people uh, you know it depends on the the uh, economical uh, capabilities some people buy uh, generators. Some people, you know, uh, now put, you know, solar panels, which are not very good uh, quality here in Syria. But, you know, the, the most common thing is, you know, batteries. 
people buy small batteries and they charge them when, when we have electricity. And what about internet? How is that powered right now? A small battery. Wow. Yeah. And your computer? It will run off, you know, I, it's, it has only 30%. Yeah. Now, this LED light is, oh, no. Okay. That was speaking about the, the, the laptop, you know, it's going to run off. Okay. <laughs> that was fast. It was 30%. Now it's 7 the, the battery must have been not, not great. Okay. 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 Let's make sure we say goodbye. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh. Oh, did it go off? Oh. We missed him. Well, oh. here, let's, let's continue really quick, but I think oh. this is... Let's see if it comes back. That's so funny. He laughed and then it just went off. So should we... We're going to stay on well, just in case he clicks we're gonna back in. We're going to stay on and just... I think that's a sobering thought that we are in uh, such a fortunate situation. Oh, he's going to come back. Oh, on. here he is. Oh, that's so great. Just a minute. He's going to try to come on, on, on through his phone. All right. He, we're in such a fortunate situation. And uh, he just gives me hope and courage to continue to do what needs to be done, even though it sometimes advocacy doesn't feel good, right? Sometimes it, it weighs on us. Yeah. Solder is an inspiration to continue to make the changes and make a difference in the world. He touched on a good point where you have that balance of what's comfortable for you and then where do you get out of your comfort zone to push forward. And he does admit that there could have been a situation where he just maybe just, you know, let me forget this and just slink off to the, to just live in his life and not spreading his message. But he sees the effect of... And the love and the support. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so important that we continue to love and support each other because that is where we get our strength. It helps us to shift our focus because the negative can, can wear on you. The challenges can wear on you. And it's such a beautiful point that Sadr has been surrounded by love in a village and isn't that right that we're 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 all it takes a village that's the yeah. that's the thing that we've been told mm-hmm. there he is he's back okay Sutter, we're not going to talk we're going to let you talk can you hear me now guys oh good yes. yes that was very that hurt my heart really bad well we we've just had such a great time with you we appreciate your time and the work and advocacy you do and we thank you thank you Sutter. thank you guys thank you for having me new show again we're sorry that we took all of your battery off of your computer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Well, you have a wonderful evening. Please, again, tell your mom and dad hello for us. Give them a hug for us. Send them our love. Tell them thank you for raising such a wonderful human being that we get to talk to. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye, Sutter. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then.